0: Good morning. good morning. I'm going to say it again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing out here? Yeah. It's great on a Saturday morning to see so many people who are wide awake. I guess it's the coffee out there. But you know what? It's good to see you. And it's a pleasure to be here at Moore College of Art for the 2014 Women in Leadership Conference. I must begin by saying thank you to Cecilia for asking me to speak today. I was certainly flattered by the invitation and was actually really surprised. And after I said, me? I had to ask, why me? And the reason I asked that question is because as I look at you, I have the feeling that I'm no different from you. You are me. I am you. So, I had this conversation with Cecilia and she went on to assure me that the fact that I have so much in common with so many of you, is why I'm here. So let's think about this time together really as a sharing session. I'm no superwoman. I took that S off my chest a long, long time ago. You won't find my profile in the New York Times. But I believe that because I am like you, because my background and experiences very likely mirror yours, I may have some interesting observations to share about managing and even overcoming the circumstances of your life. About being adventurous, yet strategic in your career choices. About being your authentic self, even as others question your choices. And finally, about finding a way to push through the adversity that inevitably comes. First, a little bit about me. I was born and bred in Delaware, from a family that traces its history back as far as we can go—almost 200 years—to Newark, Delaware. I am part of a third generation in my family to attend college. I was also the family nerd that made me in high school: chubby, coke bottle glasses, bad hair. It was not a good look. <laughs> I was one of only a few black kids in my school, and I wasn't even one of the cool black kids. I was a minority within a minority, and really struggled, not so much to fit in, but to really find and define my authentic self, my unique self. Now, how many of you can relate to that? I felt the pressure to succeed, of course. To hit the standard milestones, first by getting into the right schools, by earning degrees to hang over the mantle, progressing through my career with jobs with increasing responsibilities, salaries, and visibility. But I knew that I had to follow my own road to success. Now, luckily, my family embraced the value of a liberal arts education. They were not strictly married to the idea that the only roads to success or through business, the sciences, or the law. So off I went to Spelma College. It's a wonderful college for African American women. I really had no idea of what I wanted to do. But knowing that I had an affinity for history and for art, I decided to major in history. And I recall my dad being very careful not to discourage me from going in that direction but also cautioning me. Well, you know, you probably won't make any (laughs) money. And even as I reached my junior year of college, I still had no idea how I would put that history degree to any practical use. And then one day I was sitting in an art history class, and a woman from the Georgia State Historic Preservation Office, Ms. Elizabeth Lyons, my mentor, came and made a presentation to the class. And, oh my gosh, I had an epiphany. This was me. This was it. Historic Preservation, a field that combined my love of history and the aesthetics of the built environment. This was my path. It was a wondrous, wondrous thing. This was actually in the late 70s. And whoever heard of Historic Preservation? Certainly my family had not I remember telling my Grandfather that I would be going to Cornell to get my Master's in historic Preservation Planning. Now, you have to understand that my Grandfather was my hero. He was a take-no-prisoners kind of guy. He had a big gray afro before anybody else did. He was larger than life. So you can imagine my hurt and my frustration when he said to me, with such disappointment in his voice, Oh, I thought you would be a lawyer. I wanted not only my grandfather's approval, I wanted him to be proud of me, but sadly, he didn't understand my choice. Now, how many of you have experienced that? When your family and friends have no inkling what you do, or even worse, can't seem to fathom why you feel compelled to do it. Well, I earned my master's degree in historic preservation and had the great good luck over the next several years to find work in my field. Even though I had chosen a rather obscure field at the time, my family still didn't know what I did, something about old buildings. (laughs) But they accepted that Patty was being Patty's regular weird self. So, how many of you have chosen an obscure path to the confusion and perhaps even disapproval of your families and friends? How many of you have felt compelled to follow that path even though there's no assurance of financial security at the end of that (laughs) path, Okay, we're all in the same club, right? (laughs) Well, that was certainly my story, my reality and my circumstance. But I've come to firmly believe that life is 10% circumstance and 90% what you do with those circumstances. So let's talk about the 90%. Now that you've made your choices, let's talk about how you can find success, or perhaps the better word is fulfillment. Some may call it finding your passion. I call it finding and embracing the why of what we do, what Cecilia just called your personal credo, the idea of understanding your values, the this I believe. Whatever word or phrase you use, it's about waking up each morning eager to go about your work, knowing that you're growing in your creativity, your self-expression, in your authentic self. For me, it's holding on to a sense of adventure. At the African American Museum, each time we conceptualize and create a new exhibit, and I get really excited about it. I thrive on taking each organization I work with to a new level and hopefully leaving it better than I found it. That sense of creative adventure, the fulfillment found in facing the tough, tough job of stabilizing and growing a nonprofit organization, is why I do what I do. Now, my teenage son often says, Mom, you'd have a lot more money if you took a corporate job. Well, it may seem like a well-worn cliché, but I'm able to respond without hesitation. But working in the corporate world wouldn't make me happy. The why of what I do, my personal credo, is that I'm a mission-driven person. I find my passion, my fulfillment, my measure of success, not in how much money I make, although it's undeniably a nice thing but in that sense of adventure that I described, in knowing that I can orchestrate a difference. So as you said, find your why. Discover those core values, that personal freedom. Know yourself well enough to not only know why you do what you do, but to embrace the why of why you do it. Own it. Celebrate it but you must also be purposeful in how you use your why. Many of you have a talent, a God-given gift, but you probably have discovered that talent alone is not enough to compete or succeed in today's cultural marketplace. You must make strategic choices regarding the presentation of your talent, what some might call your product. You should be aware of who else is working in the cultural marketplace. What else is going on? What are the trends? What are the real breakthroughs? Believing that there is a virtue in working in isolation, that somehow your work will be a pure presentation of you and you alone if you do, is not only naive, but it's rather arrogant, and will, I believe, ultimately undermine your success. You must consider yourself part of the larger cultural economy. All of us who are part of the cultural sector must work actively to support it. We cannot expect the cultural community to thrive if we ourselves are not patrons. Explore galleries, attend openings and screenings and exhibits. By doing so, you will gain an important perspective on your own work. You will become a visible member of the cultural community, and perhaps gain allies and collaborative partners. By doing so, you will contribute to the viability and hopefully the prosperity of our cultural economy. Now, even as I urge you to find your why, even as I encourage you to become an active member of the larger cultural community, there is no guarantee that there won't be roadblocks on your road to success. It's very likely, in fact, that your career path will not be linear. We all seem to expect, especially early on in our careers, that start progress in a logical, uninterrupted fashion, ever ascending. Well, certainly, my career path hasn't been linear. As I said earlier, I had a great good fortune to work in historic preservation for several years. I led citywide advocacy organizations, both here and in Washington, D.C. I worked at a national organization as a regional director, and my responsibilities stretched from New Jersey down through West Virginia, then jumped over to Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And then my career took what can only be described as a left turn. I guess I'm going like this Left turn. Circumstances. That undeniable, inescapable 10% factor in our lives knocked me off my well-planned linear path. I went to work for the National Foundation for Rhythm and Blues, an organization that celebrates rhythm and blues as a unique American musical genre, and we distributed grants to aging artists who often have been cheated out of their royalties. What? Music? Rhythm and blues? How did that fit in? You're a historic preservationist. What's going on here? Well, for three years, instead of preserving historic buildings, I worked to celebrate another kind of cultural resource, music. The job did have its purse. I hung out with Bonnie and Loretha Franklin, and other singers. A lot of them, despite their age and often dire financial straits, or unparalleled entertainers. And what I came to understand was that as artists, they knew their why. They believe, these aging artists believe, truly and wholeheartedly, that music making and music is their life's work. Now, in that position, I eventually had to reconcile my position as the executive director of this organization what, with what I believe to be my authentic self. What I found was that even as I worked with a different kind of cultural resource, I still experienced that essential sense of adventure. I was challenged to build a viable organization that fulfilled its mission. Even as I was working in a different field than I anticipated, the work still responded to my why. That has guided my career. So, returning to our original premise, if I am you and you are me, you may at some point, mm-hmm. due to circumstances, find your career veering off that linear path. Now, when it happens, and I promise you it will happen, you have to ask yourself whether, despite this change in circumstance, you are still fulfilling your why. personal freedom. Now, one final thought. There will be times as artists, as women, each one of us will inevitably encounter adversity. Again, it's not so much the circumstances of our adversity, but what we choose to do with it, how we choose to face it. There's a saying, when the wind ceases to blow, take to the oars. When the wind ceases to blow, take to the oars. This saying resonates with me for so many reasons in so many ways. Think about it. We may not be able to control the wind, our circumstances or our environment, but we can control how we respond to it. We don't have to be passive. We can respond in a proactive way. We can take to the oars. Without the wind, we can make no progress. We're stuck, but we can make progress. We can move forward when we take to the oars.
1: We may have set
0: out believing that the wind will carry us to a certain destination, but when that wind fails, we can be smart enough, flexible enough to find an alternative strategy. We can be resourceful enough to have a plan B, and when the wind ceases to blow, we can use our grit, our determination, our physical selves, our power of self-will to take to the wars. So when that funding doesn't come through, when you don't get that fellowship that you thought you were going to get, discover that you can Take to the oars. We are resilient. We can challenge and overcome the circumstances around us. We can claim our power to make change by taking to the oars. So, from me to you, if there's any wisdom that I have to offer, if there is any lesson that I can share, I encourage you to remember <coughs> that your life, excuse <coughs> me, as a woman, as a student, as an artist, as an inspiring leader, is 10% circumstance, 90% what you do with it, and when the wind inevitably ceases to blow, take to the oars. Thank you.